0: Welcome to the seventh episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. I'm your host, James Herrick, and today we're going to start this by breaking down to Cheryl versus Santos. We're going to look at a couple of fights that happened last night on that main card. Uh, we're going to talk about what's next for Izzy as Glover really threw a wrench into those plans in terms of moving up the heavyweight, and then we're going to end it. With some more important UFC no- news that you should be aware of. And then we're going to end it off with a little little discussion about next week's this Saturday's fight card, which is Islam Makalchev versus Rafael dos Años for the main event, and some some okay fights on the main card, some good looking prospects that I'm excited to talk about. So starting off, Teixeira versus Santos. So Glover really impressed me in this fight based off his versatility. Now, from what we've seen of Glover, it, it's been it's evident that Glover is a well-rounded fighter, but he really showed his grappling to a, another level in this fight against Santos. Um, the first two rounds, he dominated using his grappling, and then in the third round, he was dropped early, but he was able to come back, eventually get in a dominant position in terms of grappling, and submit Thiago Santos in the third round By via rear naked choke for the victory and so um, Glover Teixeira is looked pretty good in that fight Um, he did get dropped like I said in the third round but when you're fighting Tiago Santos the chances that you get dropped at least once are pretty pretty solid and the fact that he was able to overcome getting dropped and uh, work into a submission that same round So, I was very impressed. That's one of the things I like most about Glover Teixeira. No matter what what you throw at him, he's going to come at you, and he's going to try and win no matter how deep of water you take him into. Something that we saw in the Anthony Smith fight, Anthony Smith won that first round with a very high pace, and it looked like he was going to shut Teixeira down for the entirety of the fight and even finish him, but eventually Teixeira was able to withstand Anthony Smith's storm, and uh, overcome Anthony Smith and eventually take control and win via stoppage. So Teixeira is the king of overcoming adversity in my eyes based solely off these last two fights. Um, now now that Teixeira has won, this fight was, this Santos and Teixeira fight was something that many people looked at to determine who would be next for Jan Blahovich for to challenge for the light heavyweight belt. But last week, Dana White came out and said, Izzy versus Jan, we're going to fight for that 205 belt. And now it looks like Dana is undecided based off Glover's performance, whether this title shot for the 205 belt is going to go to Izzy or Glover. So first off, my opinion on that is give this shot to Glover first because Glover has not as much time left on the on the clock in terms of getting title shots if you give this shot to izzy now and izzy wins he's likely going to face john jones at 205 for the belt again so that would put glover out for the for the uh 205 pound belt until late 2021 early 2022 and that's not for a guy of Glover's age. He needs to get into the, that title shot as soon as possible. Give him to Yan now. This also builds up fight, or this also builds up um, a little bit more promotion for that. Is he moving up to become a double champ? Because we've seen a lot of times this is something that um, Connor saw when he moved up. You want a guy who is an established champion, right? You don't want... I think it's better in the long term if Izzy moves up and takes out an established champion than someone who just gained that shot or just gained that title. So if Izzy moves up and takes on Jan now with zero title defenses, although he did have a good performance against Dominic Rez, we've discussed that, but if you go up in wait a fight, wait two fights, go up and take out someone who has a title defense, maybe even two title defenses before you take him on and get that belt. I think that is in the long term in the long term aspect of legacy that would make what Izzy has done more impressive in the long run, right? I mean immediately obviously becoming a double champ is nice, but if you can hold on, let Jan, or Glover, or whoever build a name for themselves, get a defense. Get two defenses. That makes you look even better when you beat him. If you beat him, I should say. But we're talking um, in terms of what Izzy should be thinking right now. And I think Izzy recognizes that. Izzy's a very smart guy, right? So if I were in Izzy's shoes, I would try and get that John Jones fight now. Because the longer we wait for that John Jones fight, the less likely it is to happen. If John Jones goes off to heavyweight and uh, gets that heavyweight belt, we are going to be in a situation where he likely won't be able to come back down to 205 in terms of he wants to add on muscle to get to that heavyweight, get um, bigger. He's already a good size for to be a heavyweight in terms of him and Mielczyk are probably very similar, but John, John wants to put on a little bit more weight, which is understandable. He doesn't want to go too crazy. But we, uh, we face this situation where can John come back down to 205 after he bulks up for heavyweight? It's a question you nobody really knows the answer to that. I don't think John knows the answer, answer to that. It's, it won't be easy for John to come back down if he bulks up. But um, never say never. And a commission would never license Izzy to fight at heavyweight because he's never going to step on the scale higher than 190. And Izzy is, is uh, outspoken about not gaining weight. He wants to stay at his size. That's why he hasn't bulked up for middleweight, right? So I think if, I don't think Izzy could ever go to heavyweight to fu- heavyweight to fight John. Izzy, well, Izzy couldn't go to heavyweight to fight anybody. So if you don't do this Izzy versus John fight now, you're going to be in a situation where we might never get it. That two hundred five belt for Izzy is going to be always be there for him to come and take on, right? So in my eyes, what we should do here is have Izzy fight John now, um, and that's going to be the that's probably the toughest fight for Izzy is John. If you look at everyone at middleweight and everyone at light heavyweight, John does give him the biggest challenge based solely off grappling. If you look at in length, grappling and length, if you look at middleweight, um, you've got Whitaker, Costa, Cannoneer, Hermanson, Romero, Till. Those guys there, um, Izzy's beat some of them. And the other guys that he hasn't beat yet, I think everyone does believe that he can beat, right? So when you move up to 205, you're looking at Jan uh, Glover, Dominic Reyes um Diego Santos and then some of these other young up and com- up and comers like uh, Yuri Prohaska um, Alexander Rakic those guys are still building a name for themselves right but they are very talented fighters and then well I guess John right now is still technically a 205 pounder um so when you look at those names there you're going to have a t- I think you're going to have a tough time selling to a lot of people that Izzy isn't going to win. That Izzy will lose, right? I think it's going to be a tough sell for a lot of people, unless you're talking about John Jones, because John Jones does have that wrestling background, and now we're going to have a question of is he's going to be some going up against someone with that length and someone who knows how to use that length and someone who can wrestle if he gets in trouble on the feet, someone who can wrestle very effectively. So that's the toughest fight for Izzy is John Jones, obviously, I'm not a rocket scientist by saying that at all, but um, we, we see that fight now, then if Izzy can win that fight, he would put himself in a great position in terms of legacy. And then as he beats, if he can beat John, right, and then he can go and defend that hundred, 100- 85 pound belt because he probably wants to stay double champ so you got to defend that 185 pound belt um and by that point if he fights john now that would leave you with a couple months to figure out who is the next contender at 185 so building up some resumes of some more 185 pounders to give him a good title shot there and then at that point once you take out john once you take out another 185 pounder, by that time, you should have a light heavyweight champion who has established himself as a great champion, as long as Jan or someone else can go on a one or two fight streak and get the belt, defend it. Um, but I at this point, I just don't think it makes much sense for Izzy to go up and fight Jan now, um, because many people see this as... um. Everyone obviously sees Jan as the champion, but I think in a lot of people's eyes, there's a little asterisk next to that, considering the fact that John left the division, right? He didn't beat the champion. He beat Dominic Reyes, who was an established contender, but he didn't beat the guy. Um, I think Jan could be in a very similar situation DC was in when he won that belt. A lot of people look at DC's time at light heavyweight, and they consider him the second, lace, light, second best light heavyweight in the during that era, behind John, even though he was a champion, right? So let let Jan build himself up to more of the uh, casual fan base. Let him get some more some more good wins under his belt, and at that point, you could be looking at a mega mega fight when Izzy goes up compared to what it is right now. If we let these things build, I'm a big um, big supporter of letting these build and grow rather than jumping into them prematurely prematurely especially in the case of izzy and yan two guys who don't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon so let both their names build before we pair them up with each other um with that being said glover i think he deserves that title shot right now um give him yan and izzy take john you both go fight. I think they both have good chances of winning that fight. And then, as I said, you know, get some wins and then pair each other off. I don't think there should be any rush to do Izzy versus Ian right now. Because it could be a much bigger fight within the next year to year and a half. Two years at the most. I don't see it taking more than two years. But if you do this fight now, we're looking at a, you know, a good pay-per-view by for many people, but if you do this fight, like I said, in a year, year and a half, you're looking at an all-time great pay-per-view. And I think those are two distinct differences, and we should aim for the second and not rush into the first, okay? So let's move on from that topic. Um, On that main card last night, one of the main fighters that I wanna talk about is Giga Chikatse. Now, Giga looked great again, So, like I've said, I always like to see um, development and things and fighters answer questions, right? So, Giga is facing Jamie Simmons. So, in this fight, Jamie is looking to get inside, get some hooks, take, take Giga down. That's the obvious game plan of beating Giga is getting him to the ground, which, understandable. Giga did a great job with takedown defense and he was up against the cage Simmons had two underhooks and Giga was able to get off the fence and get space from Simmons and stop that takedown he did that at le- he did that once which was a very long encounter Jamie went for another takedown Giga stopped it and i was very impressed with Giga's takedown defense which is probably one of the biggest questions of his game cuz no one is going to question his striking understandably so and then Giga eventually gets to the point where he hits that left kick to the body and then after he hits it to the body Jamie's looking for that kick to come again to the body Giga takes it to the head cleans his clock with it and that puts Giga Chikadze in the head kick club Giga finishes this one with a head kick KO and as you know, on the Head Kick KO podcast, we love Head Kick KOs, right? So, very impressed by Giga. And um, in that fight, they were talking about how Giga looked or was looking to face a more established name. Um, I believe the commentator said that they were looking at having Giga versus Drew Dober or Brendan Allen. Which are two fights I would have loved to see. I want to see Giga stay at 145 for right now. But um, Giga decided that he wanted to... um, Didn't want to rush into the um, 145 rankings. And he decided to take this fight against Jamie Simmons. Because he wanted to stay active. Now, I do like the idea of Giga staying active. right, And because... I don't know if he feels that he's not ready for the top 15. I believe he is, Um, especially after that last fight. Showed good takedown defense, mixing with his striking. um, Putting Giga in that top 15 of this featherweight division. This featherweight division is disgusting. I mean, Edson Barbosa is the 15th ranked fighter at 145. That right there just tells you how good this division is. Bryce Mitchell, 14. Ryan Hall, 13. You've got Sadiq Youssef, Dan, Dan Ige, Shane Burgos. That's ten, eleven, twelve. I'm not you know, I'm not big into these rankings, but uh just these names here at the bottom half of this one forty-five rankings are disgusting. And if you look at that in comparison to the back end of a lot of other uh divisions, one forty five is in incredible shape right now. Um with that being said, and you still have guys outside that one uh, outside that top 15 like Giga, um, Hakim Dawadu, guys like this who look like very bright prospects in that 145 division and I'm very excited to see some of these matchups because right now you have a lot of guys in this 145 area that um, need to get matched up. A lot of guys who need to start, who deserve to be uh, looking at that top 15 but they are just um, not it's hard to get some of these guys matched up because you want them, some of these guys from, like I said, 10 to 15. You got to start moving them up from the rankings. We've got guys knocking on the door of the rankings. So no matter what the UFC decides to do with a lot of these featherweight contender or er, contenders and prospects at this point, getting some of these guys matched up, there's going to be a lot of exciting fights in the future at 145. And I think this has the potential to become one of the deepest, it may be the deepest division right now, But it does have the potential to become the best division, which um, lightweight is pretty widely considered that right now. But like I said, this 145 division, if some of these guys grow, some of these guys like Giga Hakeem Dawadu, um Bryce Mitchell, Ryan Hall, if these guys can really develop and then if you combine that with the talent that we already have at the top of the division, this 145 division is going to be fun and it's going to be fun for a long time. You're going to get to the point where you're going to be looking at guys outside the top to 15 as serious guys with high potential and I don't think we're far from that from that happening as of right now. Okay so moving on from that, I just wanted to speak on Giga's performance, because he did look great. Um, Moving on, the prelims, there were um, some very fun fights on this prelims, on the prelims. Trevin Giles went out there, had a very nice performance against Bevan Lewis. Um, Giles is another one of these bright prospects off the Contender Series. He was able to go out, get a finished with a nice combination um just wanted to put some put some light on that darren elkins versus uh louise Gardi can't i'm not great at saying his name but elkins looked great in that first round second round louise comes back a little bit um darren elkins eventually finishes it in the third round that was a really fun fight um alexander romanoff got his uh first round submission you know, uh, Gustavo Lopez, first-round submission, great fight. And then you had Max Lopez versus Brahimovic. Brahimov. Max Griffin takes pretty much takes his ear off. Griffin looked good in that fight. Landed a lot of jabs, really jabs straight right, and some hooks, some elbows. And really, you know, beat up R- Ramos pretty bad. So that was another fun fight. Overall, a lot of fun fights on this fight card. Um... Yeah, not too much more I want to discuss on that. I just wanted to talk about uh, overall, some very fun fights with some uh, finishes, and I think everyone is happy about that, right? So moving on, some of the big news of the week: Darren Till is injured, unfortunately, and as I don't know if you guys know this yet, but I'm a big Darren Till fan here at the Head Kick KO Podcast. So Darren Till being injured. Is a very big, um, very big knock for this this uh, division here. So I thought this was, I thought Darren Till was going to really, I was hoping he was going to win this fight and eventually move into a position where he could make a case for himself to take on Izzy. Um, I think that Darren Till versus Izzy fight would be a very big fight. Um, Till has that English fan base izzy that australian fan base darren till and izzy both are two very entertaining guys this would be uh the ultimate fighter is coming back so izzy and till coaching on the ultimate fighter i believe would be hilarious that would be something i would love to see and i think a lot of people would back that so it's really unfortunate that till is out against jack hermanson um this was like I said earlier. I think Izzy should take on John and then come back and defend the 185 bout. In my eyes, I was hoping to see Till beat Hermanson, maybe get another one, and then uh, take on Izzy for that after Izzy fights. Hopefully, John Jones. But Darren Till sidelined for a little bit. Um, he said he'll be back next year. Um, I don't know how soon that means. I don't know if he means January, February. I don't know if he means he'll be healthy then and then can start a training camp in January or February, um, looking at a fight in March, or if that means he can be back back to fight in January. I'm not sure. I don't think anybody's sure at this point. He hasn't even disclosed exactly what the injury is. So um, there's a lot of fun fights you could book for Till in January. Um, Till versus Romero would be fun. Till versus... Brunson would be a fun matchup. Till and Brunson had a little bit of a Twitter beef going on. calling Darren Till was calling Derek Brunson Bumson. Because according to Darren Till, Derek Brunson is a bum. So there's that for you. Um, we already saw that Kelvin Gastelow match. Uriah Hall looked good against Anderson Silva uh, two weekends ago on Halloween. Um, I think that matchup would be fun. Darren Till versus Uriah Hall that would probably be similar to what we saw um, Whitaker versus Till um, with in terms of pure striking very um, highly technical uh, highly technical matchup. Darren Till both very technical strikers. So I think when he's ready there's a lot of fun fights to be had for Darren Till Um, UL Brunson, Hall Those are all guys I'd like to see Darren Till matched up against. um, Maybe um, Kananir probably won't be ready. They tried making that matchup before. Jared Kananir versus Darren Till. Um, Kananir broke his ulna. I believe it was his ulna. Broke a bone in his forearm for sure. I believe it was the ulna against Robert Whitaker in their matchup uh, recently on uh, UFC 254. So if Canoneer is ready when Till's ready, that'd be a good matchup as well. I'm just not going to try and play matchmaker for someone with a broken ulna, right? I don't just don't know when he's gonna come back. That makes it hard to play. Play a little matchmaker. Okay. So moving uh, Kevin Holland is the name to replace Darren Till. And I find this very interesting here. Um, out of all the guys. Apparently, we had a lot of guys in the top 15 turn down Jack Hermanson in December. They eventually looked at Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland said yes. I'm surprised Jack Hermanson said yes because as of right now, everyone uh, out here is citing rankings. Everyone loves to talk about rankings. But, you know, in this situation, I guess Jack Hermanson was willing to face someone unranked. A lot of guys in his shoes would have said, I'm ranked number four. I don't want to face someone outside the top 10 or top 15 or whatever number they set. But fighting Kevin Holland, um, Jack Hermanson, this is going to be a big opportunity for Kevin Holland. I think Kevin Holland deserves this based off how active he's been and how well he has performed. I believe he's fought five times. He's either fought five times or this is going to be his fifth fight for this year. I will double check that very quickly. Um, Yeah, so in 2020, this is his... Just a second. Yeah, so he's fought four times in 2020, it looks like. Yep, four times in 2020. And he fought Anthony Hernandez, Joaquin Buckley, Darren Stewart, and Charlie Ativeros. So... Very excited to see Kevin Holland moving up. He's had some impressive performances the um, his last couple fights out. Um, he obviously TKO in his most recent fight. Um, on, that was on Halloween as well. Uh, Darren Stewart, that was a fun fight. He got out of there, out of there with the split decision. Joaquin Buckley, TKO. Um, that name is looking a lot nicer on his record right now. He's got a win against Gerald Merchardt, so he's stacked some wins against some very tough guys um, in the last couple years. He took out Geoff Neal in 2017, so yeah, it's about time Kelvin How- Kevin, How- Kevin Holland excuse me, moved up in the rankings. I'm excited to see that for him. Um, with that being said, he's moving up high in the rankings and very fast. So, this is going to be a big step before him. Let's see how he reacts to that. Um, I'm surprised that they didn't give this fight to, like, Marvin Vittori, Brad Tavares, one of those guys. I can't believe someone in that 10 to 15 range would decline a top four uh, fight against a fourth-ranked fighter. um, Because that's such an opportunity. So, there's a lot of guys missing out on opportunities. And this isn't that short notice. I believe that fight is on December 5th. If I remember correctly, I know it's in December, early December. Um, So with that being said, I'm surprised they had to look to Kevin Holland. But good for Kevin Holland for being ready to take a fight on short notice. So all due respect to him on that. And hopefully he can go out there and impress and get himself um, some, some, uh, some momentum going. He's already got some momentum going. Let's get some momentum against some top guys. Um, moving on, let's talk about next week's fight card, which is at the main event. We has Islam Makhachev versus Rafael dos Anjos. This has been a fight that, um, we've had a hard, hard time getting Islam matched up here recently, but Rafael dos Anjos, um, was willing to take that fight. This fight was supposed to take place on UFC 254. Dos Anjos got covid so they pushed it back um i would be interested to see here is this is side note um i'd be interested to see the stats of fighters who got covid and uh who fought afterwards because i know santos and Teixeira both got covid um i'd be interested to see how that um a lot of fights have been pushed back cuz of covid so i'd be really interested to see see um The stats of fighters, how they perform after they got COVID. I think that'd be interesting. I don't know where to find those stats. If someone knows where to find those stats, point me in that direction. But I think that could be a real talking point about how that affects your performance, especially in the short term. Because Rafael Dos Anjos got it shortly before UFC 254. Um, I would think within two weeks of the event. And then they moved this to a month ahead, pretty much. So... Um, it'll be interesting to see how Rafael dos just performs in his last couple. Well, let's talk about Islam first. Islam has, is obviously one of the um, brightest prospects in that lightweight division. Yeah. So Islam is one of the brightest prospects in the lightweight division as of right now. He trains with Habib. So, obviously, um, there's a lot of guys out there. They've been struggling to find a fight for Islam. They've looked just about everywhere. It's about time they were able to get Islam ma- Islam matched up with somebody. Um, Rafael dos just stepped up to take the fight at 155. So, I'm very interested to see here um, if... Rafael what Rafael has what RDA has left in the tank here because in his last several fights he has um he's faced a lot of tough competition he's lost to Kiesa Leon Edwards got a win over Kevin Lee before that he lost to Kamaru and lost to Colby but then he beat Robbie Neil Magny but then he lost to Tony Ferguson Eddie Alvarez So it's hard looking at how he's performed in his last couple fights to determine how good RDA is still at this point because he's he's always been in there with some of the best guys that uh, we have in the lightweight and both at 155 and 170. So I'm interested to see how RDA performs. Um, He's won one of his last five, but like I said, we can't really look at that for much considering the level of competition he's faced um so i'm interested to see how this plays out for rda um worst case scenario islam goes in there and you know really puts it on him but then that just shows us how good islam is so i think um either way this fight turns out it's going to be a real win-win for the ufc you're either going to have rda building himself back up to title contention and um Or you're going to have Islam showing that he's uh, more than a prospect and that he's a contender. So, a lot of fun here. This has high implications for guys who are both ranked outside of the top 10, right? So, I'm very interested to see how this plays out for both of their sakes. And then on this card, we have a lot of bright prospects Julian Marquez is on this card. Daniel Rodriguez is on this card. Kay Hansen is on this card. Um, Luis Smolka, more of a veteran, not a prospect, but he is on this card. There's a lot of names to look out for on this card. Um, I'm going to be tuned in here. A lot of prospects, a lot of fun fights, a lot of guys I want to see fight. So don't miss this one. And the last thing I want to talk about before we uh, close this one out, this one's been a short one. It wasn't, hasn't been a lot to talk about as of recently. Um, the last thing I'm going to talk about is, um, Wonder Boy's got a matchup against Geoff Neal. I don't remember the date off the top of my head, but I feel bad for Wonder Boy in this one. Um, I know Wonderboy hasn't fought in a while. His last fight was against Vicente Luque, which he looked great in. And now they're giving him G off Neil. Um, for for, for Wonderboy, he's been looking to move up in the rankings, right? But everyone in front of him has gotten matched up. You know, they're obviously still trying to make Colby versus Manos Vidal Burns, Burns versus Uzman, and then they've got Edwards versus Hazmati Maya for the last fight of this year, and that really put Wonderboy in a tough spot because you have Maya and Woodley behind him, which, in my opinion, they're both probably not going to fight for a while. Um, Maya wants his last fight to be in Brazil um and that to be his retirement fight against another brazilian i don't know if he still wants those plans but uh if he does um he's gonna have to wait for those obviously due to covid and i think that would um i think there's a lot of ways you could go with that But that's besides the point that we're talking about right now and then woodley obviously said he wanted to take time off i don't know what's going on with michael kiesa as of right now he's not booked hasn't been booked for a while He hasn't been booked since his last fight against RDA. I believe that was earlier this year. Might have been last year even. So, um, for Woodley, he really didn't have a choice but to move down in those rankings to someone in the 9, 10, 11, 12 range, which for Wonderboy is, is that, you know, it is what it is, but he obviously would have liked to see some stiffer competition. I think a lot of fans want to see that. A lot of fans, um want to see Wonderboy back in that title picture, so it's a shame that he really had to move down that far to get a fight. I'm surprised they didn't go Neil Magny with this one. Um, I think that would have been a good way, way to reward Neil. He was trying to get that Hajmat fight when no one else wanted it, so I think when you have a guy who's willing to step up and say, oh, I'll fight the guy no one wants to fight, at that point, you have to look at Neil Magny as someone who you could give a bigger fight to. Um... I'm surprised they gave it to Geoff Neal. It was the final two for that was probably Magny and Neal because outside of that you have RDA booked Nate Diaz not going to happen, uh, happen and you got Pettis Lawler Lawler's injured don't know what's going to Anthony Pettis um I believe he said he wanted to wait till next year to fight but I don't remember off the top of my head. So from these other ranked guys for Wonderboy, It was pretty much either going to be Neil Magny or Geoff Neal. Surprised it went to Neil. Would have liked to see Magny get it. Like I said, he was willing to fight Hosmont when no one else was. And I wish uh, the UFC would have rewarded him. I don't know whether that was a Wonderboy declined. I doubt that. Um, I don't know uh, whether that was Magny didn't want it. I don't know the details. But I would have liked to see that Magny and uh, Woodley match up. It's a shame that didn't happen. So... Thank you for tuning in to the seventh episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. I'll be back next week with another one after uh, Islam and RDA figure out um, after Islam and RDA face off next weekend. Hopefully, there's some more news to talk about. Hopefully, we can figure out what Izzy's doing. Um, hopefully, we've got some more developments in that. So, thank you for tuning in to the seventh episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. I'm out.